Okay, welcome to the Punch Touch Podcast. Real fans, real talk. We dissect, dive deep and discuss juicy bits of gossip and news from the world of boxing and MMA. I'm Coach T, I'm your host and welcome to a crazy ride of adventure. Real fans, for the fans. Let's go! Hey, it's the Punch Touch Podcast. It's the Punch Touch Podcast. Welcome, welcome everybody to another fantastic episode of Punch Touch Podcast. Yes, and I'm your host. This is a Warriors special. Let me say that again without the echo. Warriors special. Now, I ain't done a Warriors special for a hot minute now. And this Warriors special, is. this is a... This is a good one. This is a good one. This is a solid one. And in the Warrior special, if you don't know, guys, you've pressed play to the podcast while you're walking your dog, or you're driving your car, you're coming from work or going to work or whatever you're doing. You've got your headphones on. You've got me on loudspeaker. Guests, this Warrior special is about characters, individuals, unique entities, unique human beings that are warriors in their own right and they have a relation to combat because this is punch touch podcast so we do things related to combat yeah but it's not just about the physicality of combat it's not just about the physicality there's also a mindset to it there's a discipline a discipline there's there's a there's a is a spiritual vibe to it to be a warrior, it's not just about throwing your fists or throwing your knees or throwing your elbows or throwing your feet or, or getting people in headlocks and, and, and guillotines and, and figure four leg locks. And maybe I'm showing my age with WWF and all that stuff. But anyway, it's, <laughs> it's, it's more than that, though. It is, is a warrior. It's somebody that has the aptitude to be a fighter in life. And when you're a fighter, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be burying your opponent. You could be a fighter for someone else. You could be inspiring someone else with with your ability to fight and be forthcoming, to stand up, to say when something is not correct and you say what, you know, to speak your mind sincerely and honestly. And that's what this Warrior Special is about. So this is war- this is a Warrior Special. So this is episode 12 Episode 12, Season 2, The Warrior Special. And I've labelled this Extreme Efficiency. <laughs> and, that's, and that's related to my guest's martial art. Because what he deals with is extreme efficiency. <laughs> that's, I think those are the only two words. Um, hopefully he's going to, obviously he's the expert in, in this particular martial arts category. So he can describe it a bit more. But from my understanding, it is extreme efficiency. And it's it's beautiful. I, I really do think it's beautiful. Um, first of all, I'd like to uh, welcome uh, my co-host, uh, Rico the Farmer. How are you doing, brother? Good evening. Good evening, people. I'm looking forward to this episode. Um, I'm being... Oh, sorry, I'm stuck tongue twister then. Thank you for welcoming me and also being on the show today. And um, I can't, get, can't wait ready to get Rumble, as they say. So looking forward to Coach T. 
Yes, yes, brother. And it's it's an absolute pleasure to have you on board as well because you helped to make this happen in the first place. Because um, without you, I don't think we would have got our guest. Welcome, Patrick. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on board, sir. Thank you very, very much indeed for having me, guys. Uh, you, Coach D, Rico, great to be here. I feel humbled. Looking forward to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure, man. Um, thanks. Thanks for being uh, here and sharing this space with us. And also, Farmer, uh, thank you for making this happen in the first place. So um, let's just jump into this right now, because this is the Warrior Special, uh, labelled Extreme Efficiency. Um, the reason why it's called Extreme Efficiency, I'm going to jump straight into the whole point of the physicality and then from the physicality, I'm hoping that we have a conversation that strips away the layers and we go deeper into a more cere cerebral world of of life, especially from our guest, whatever you choose to share, Patrick. So extreme efficiency, Krav Maga, Krav, have I pronounced it right, first of all, Krav Maga? Krav or Krav Maga. Krav or Krav. Okay. However you want to pronounce it, it's the same goddamn thing. <laughs> yeah. And the way you said that, it, the way you said that is literally... The, the the art of the martial art is it's the same goddamn thing. Where you the, the whole result is the same goddamn thing. How you get absolutely, there. <laughs> absolutely. So um, first of all, um, Patrick, before you um go into a bit a little bit about yourself, I'd like you to go into a little bit about Krav Maga, how you came into it, how you came into it, and and what it's about and what it means to you, please. Yeah, certainly. Um, obviously, growing up, um, you know, you like to watch combat sports, you know, the typical sort of kung fu, martial arts, karate. I grew up knowing some people who are really highly proficient. I mean, one of my good friends, uh, Felix Tomata, you know, he's a top, top karate guy. I've known him for over 40 years and his style was brilliant. But for me, I wanted something, I don't know. It's a little bit different. And Krav Maga came up. There was a good friend of mine called Tony Hughes. You probably know him as well, um, Tony, um, who is really, really quite a fresh, um, proficient in lots of different styles of martial arts. But Krav was the one because it was a case of you didn't have to have a lot of uh, pre-training. You didn't have to know carters and various movements. It was something that could be used and executed very, very quickly and proficiently once you knew mm. the basics of how to do it. Yes. So for a guy like myself, was uh, at that time, I was like, you know, six foot three, quite big. You know, I don't want to be trying to do spinning kicks and flipping. <laughs> <laughs> well, imagine me doing that. I can't do yeah, that. Yeah, but, but if you do, it's going to be one hell of a spinning kick, Pat. It's going to be. It is, but if, if you land properly, <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. you know. So yeah. for me, it was something like, um, you know, something you could use that, was efficient and as you said efficiency now with 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 the crab obviously it's quite brutal i mean it sort of oriented um as israeli sort of special forces and this is the sort of the stuff they use in combat but the key element with it is get the job done by any means necessary that means any means necessary mm. what we found is as we're growing up now especially with knife crime and stuff like that People come out there with little knives, and the quickest thing they want to do is stick a knife in you. So a lot of these mm. martial arts will show these wonderful movements, but not really how to disarm against uh, weapons. 
And that was one of the things that really appealed to me living in the kind of cosmopolitan city that we live in. Where that's a, that's a great, yeah, absolutely. And this is the thing so you need something that if anything happens, you know, you can give yourself a chance. And this is where Crav came in. You know, we talk about um, doing things with, with guns. I mean, guns are prevalent on the streets. Now, I'm not saying if someone points a gun at you from 10 feet, you're going to be able to do it because you can't. Of course you can't. You can't move quicker than a bullet. But if something's close to you, give yourself half a chance. And with Crab Guy, it shows you various techniques of um, handgun disarm, um, shotgun disarm, knife disarm, baseball bat, anything. And also with Crab as well, anything becomes a weapon. You know, you mm. can take a pen. Um, a, a remote control, a key, anything you can use becomes a weapon. Now, also the mindset, you talked earlier on about mindset, very much so. It's one of those things where it's, um, you know, basically no surrender. You know, we use things like uh, we'll put you in a room, pitch black, about uh, eight guys there with different different weapons. You go in there for 10 minutes and see how you get on, literally. Now, these guys will give you a kick in. They're going to give you a pasting. But what we're looking at here really is your mindset of how you cope with it. Do you just fall over and give up or do you continue fighting? Because mm -hmm. one thing we will say is a guy's got a gun to your wife's head. There's a gun to your children's head. And if you don't come out of there, you know what's going to happen. So it's that mindset again of, I can't let this happen. Your technique's going to go out the way. It doesn't matter. You're not going to have any technique, but it's that survival instinct. That's the thing that pushes on. That's that's um what you just said there, that that being in a room, that that drill, that 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 drill itself, just even to imagine that it, it provokes thoughts of can you do it? Like I'm I'm imagining that can I yes. do it? Would I be able to like it, it's a very powerful thing what you just said there, mm -hmm. Patrick, honestly, and, and the whole mindset of no surrender, don't give up. And, and and I think that that's across the board because it doesn't have to be physical. You could Absolutely. be you could be dealing with an uh, you know some belligerent person within the office. Are you going to be bullied? Are you gonna you gonna just take it? Are you what? Are you gonna be you gonna be for be noble to your to your morals to your aspect? Are you gonna be professional or what? Like mm -hmm. what are you gonna do in life? Like that's very 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 important. It is, Tony, because, um, you know, the thing is, it's life is a challenge. Every day, life is a challenge. I mean, you know, you can work with someone that you don't particularly get on with, um, but you've got to look past that. And I've found, for me anyway, certainly in my life, um, the martial arts part, yes, part of it, you know within yourself what your capabilities are. You can look at a guy, and I'm, I'm, I would never, ever underestimate anybody, by the way. I'm not looking, thinking, well, he's smaller than me. I'm going to be able to take him out. No problem. Not at all. Sometimes the smaller ones, actually, the ones that are very, very surprising. You know, the bigger guys, you can see certain things coming. But the point I'm trying to make is when you see a person like that, it's how you deal with it. You know, for me, if I come into an altercation with someone, the first thing I'm going to try and do is talk out of it. You know, look, okay, mate. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'll do you. I'm going to do, yep, yep, yep. No problem at all. Can I go now? No problem. And this guy's <laughs> looking, you know, <laughs> you're laughing, but it's the truth. It's the truth. You know, can I go now? Are you finished with me now? Let him feel good. No problem. Now, if that doesn't work, mm. 
then we now do another step. And that's the difference, you know. Now I'm giving you that warning, all right, and take the warning. He still doesn't. Um, then we go up to another step. But you don't do that first, not at all. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Rico, what are you going to say, Rico? I'm um, listening to your opening spills. It's been really, really interesting. I mean, but um, uh, Coach T mentioned about mindset at the beginning. And we all, as we know, we have alpha male, beta, and omegas, and things like that in the animal world. But it sounds to me you seem a very controlled human being. What gave you that mindset? Because at the end of the day, Pat, you are inflicting in this brutal, um, I call it self-survival art. And anybody, the viewers out there, not quite understand this much, Grant McGraw. Um, Jason um, Bourne, um, the, James Bond, the close contact stop fighting is that sort of thing where James Bond... Mm. Oh, good shout. He yeah. uses uses a pen, or uses a, a, a rolled up newspaper, or, or anything. A hot kettle, you know, that's the type <laughs> of thing. That, 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 these are very, very. Let's be frank and honest. You know, get us through the aesthetic side of things. What we see on sport is controlled. This is a very um, neolithic, you know, caveman sort of refined art of killing hurting someone so where does that mindset come from patrick right mindset it's a good one it's a very 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 good question rico actually i think for me i've always had uh, the mindset to to win and be successful you know i was speaking to coach t earlier on and talking about you know if you have a failure um, don't let that stop you. So for me, the mindset of wanting to win, wanting to succeed is my food. That's my fuel that drives me forward. But you've also got to have preventative measures because like you see in the media today, you know, you find that a lot of black successful people are going to be targets straight away. As soon mm-hmm. Lewis said it yesterday, Lewis Hamilton, you know, they they fly with you when you're high and kick you when you're down. All right? and, you know, <laughs> yeah. he, he said it and he was absolutely right. So you have to be resilient. And I think for me, Rico, when you, especially for people like us who will face more challenges than most, if you're weak minded, you're not going to succeed. You're not. You've got so many people out there who want to see you fail. They do not want to see you succeed but for me Rico I find that is my fuel because I was saying to coach T earlier when you say to me that I can't do that or you won't make that that is my fuel to say oh yes I will yes I will added on to that then Pat hold that thought so what techniques then have you learned or discovered right that makes your job easier or make you more productive in whatever you do when you say techniques, are you talking on the the fighting aspect, or are you talking about just as a well being? Well being, as a well being. What techniques in your mind to get to to to, to make you successful? sure? I'm very, very, very analytical. I'll find that, um, and I'm also not afraid to go into areas where we don't. This is a thing that I find uh, as black people we sometimes um, stay away from. It's like, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm going to give you a bit more history to to what I've done in the past, but shall we say I've done things that where I'm the only black guy there, the only one. And you've got people there looking at you thinking, what are you you doing here? What are you doing? 
So, 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 so Pat, sorry to cut you, Pat. Could you could you okay. give um could you give us an example of that? And I know there's Certainly. areas of your life. So, but I would like that. I think it's a perfect time for you to ex explain and specify with regards to what you're saying why you have that experience. Certainly, certainly. Well, firstly, in my um my job career, um, I was a police officer in the Met Metropolitan Police Force. Um, I only stuck it a few years. It was tough, but I was encouraged to do so by my father who was a police officer in Barbados, where my parents originated from. Uh, my sister, who's a year younger than me, was also a Met police officer. And we were the first black brother and sister in the Met at the same time. Right? Wow. We sort of made, yeah, wow. we sort of made, made history there. So that was tough. But then when I went to, um, to training school, there was two training schools back in those days. You had Wanstead, which was um, Epping Forest, and obviously the main one, which everybody knows, is Hendon in North London. Yeah. Now, I was initially put to um, to Wanstead. I didn't like it there. and I just didn't like it. I just didn't get on. And there was at one point where they were even thinking, is this the job for me? And, and so on. I just didn't get on with a lot of the guys there. So anyway, I moved to Hendon, all right, which I wanted. I wanted to go to Hendon. So I went to Hendon. Anyway, whilst I was there, um, you had, like, at that time, three tower blocks, which con uh, they congregated in the bottom of the basement where they used to do your washing and so on. But if you had problems of a night time, mm. like a fight club, mm. that's, where, that's where it went on. So guess who was down there most nights? All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think okay. we can read between that. So anyway, yeah, so I had all these issues with these these guys and so on. But yes, physically I was fine. Um, but more importantly for me, it was the mental thing. I studied hard because they didn't expect me to do so well. I finished top in the squad um, with the exams and how I passed out and so on and so forth, um, which was great. They didn't give me the baton of honor, but it was enough for me that I, at least I finished top of my squad. So that was the first step. Now, from that, unfortunately, um, growing up in southwest London, Tooting, uh, where I, I lived, it got, you know, word spread that um, I was a cop. Now, because you got associates from, from whether it's a, a past, like in your past, I'm assuming there's associates. Absolutely. There was that. But also, you've got to understand, at that point, uh, Coach T, now I've got it from both ends. One, wow. I've got it from the people in the job that didn't want me in the job, a black guy mm. wearing a uniform. And then two, I've got it from the people you grew up with who saw me as the ultimate traitor. Yeah, because they, they took a different path. Yes, they didn't see that what I was actually trying to do, because a lot of these things cannot be undone from the outside. You have to be inside to be able to make some form of change. Now, I, this was you look at this was in the mid '80s that I did this. So at that point, you didn't really see black policemen. So I was a strange entity to a lot. It was hard. It was really hard. I remember one day at my parents' house, and a brick fruit went through the window. Um, because obviously they knew that my sister and I were there, both black police officers. Um, and it was a black guy. I knew who it was. I knew who it was. I knew it was. I did go and speak to him. And he tried to deny it. I said, listen, you know, I'm not stupid. <laughs> I, know, I know it was you. Right? Now, under normal circumstances, yeah, I could do something totally different. Mm. Why did you do that? Why did you do that? I tried to talk to this guy. Anyway, that 
was hard. That whole experience was hard. The guys within the police force tried to fit me up for something I didn't do. Um, they wired, had people wired to try and see if they could try and trip me up to say this and say that. I Patrick, won't go into... that's, that's deep, brother. You're, you're being attacked from all sides, from people from that you believe are like... You're my you're my community. You're my people, and yes. you try to integrate integrate yourself in a professional way to do the best job you can do. And they're trying to attack. Do yes, <laughs> yes. The worst experience I did have, and this is sort of leading on to what uh, Rico was asking, was one particular guy. Rest in peace. I won't call his name. Uh, I I grew up with in the same town from when I was six years of age. One day, he came up to me and took a knife out and put a knife to my neck to my throat. All right. I, and I said to him, I said, you better think really, really, really carefully about what you're going to do. Because, okay, kill me, that's fine. You know where you're going, going to spend the rest of your life. But also, you've done them a favor too, all right? Because not only have you done me, right, you've done them a favor too. Think about it, all right? He thought about it. He put the knife down, all right? Uh, he's, he just passed away a couple of years ago. I won't say his name. But many, many years later, he apologized because he could look back and see at that time there were young guys. I felt for those guys. They were getting stopped and searched all the time. They were getting harassed by the police all the time. So the way they saw it is that I've now gone and joined the enemy. It wasn't like that. They couldn't understand my mindset, which was if I'm with someone, a rather white officer who pulls a black guy, He's now got to think carefully about what he's doing because I'm standing there. I'm only one person, but they mm. couldn't see that at the time, Coach T. It was hard, you know. Yeah, very, very especially hard. especially as you retain your, you know where you're coming from. You know your identity, uh, and not to not to not to not to um, stereotype you, but the fact of that you are you have self awareness. And self-awareness does not allow you to be led like a sheep. You you have self-awareness, and I'm hoping that just adds to being fair. Absolutely. I mean, one of the guys that um, did have a little issue with me, I spoke to him finally enough last year, and he said to me, he can remember an instance when we were all in the park, and there were about seven or eight of these guys, and they all just attacked me. But oh, I, wouldn't stop, I wouldn't stop fighting. And they said, we couldn't understand you, Patrick, because it's like, you just wouldn't. You just wouldn't stop fighting. It was like there was seven, eight of us, and you did not care. And it came from that again, Tony. That um, that mindset of not giving in, never ever giving in. Was that before so, or after experience with with uh, Krav Maga? Was that before? Or that was after? before. That was before. That so, was before. So, had, so okay, that's why you were attracted to it because you had the mindset already. <laughs> Absolutely, that was that was before. That was. <laughs> You love, but no, that was before. I mean, I've always had that. So, for me, when the Krav Maga came into it, that was a, it was a more, shall we say, this. I'm physically strong and so on and so forth. But it's all about technique. It was learning things that, hey, my word, if you do that, this is what happens. And you know, and simple techniques. But if you get good at it and you practice, you can do them really, really quickly. A person would know, knowing where to strike someone, you know, knowing that the biggest guy, if you hit him in the right place, that's it. You know, don't care how big, how strong you are, um, you can take him out. You know, it's as simple as that. So that was good as the, as the reserve, the backup. I wouldn't ever advise someone 
learning this stuff because you want to go out and be uh, the, the the big Bruce Lee or whatever it is because that isn't what it's all about. It's it's no more reactionary. It's more reactionary. It's more like if all else fails and your back is against the wall and there's nowhere for you to go, what can you do to get out of that situation? You with me? Mm. That's that was the appeal for me with that, with that particular discipline. And speaking of disciplines, um, I'd like to speak about another discipline that's close to um, my heart because I'm still within the discipline, within the organisation itself. And um, I believe uh, Farmer, Farmer's just retired from this, this, this discipline and the organisation that he was a part of. And you've retired as well from the same discipline and the organisation that I am still a part of. And I'm the London Fire Brigade. Uh, for the Farmer, it was... Um, I'm saying Bristol, but is there is it more Aven, of a Avon Fire Rescue? A Thank you for correcting me. Yes. <coughs> so well, all three of us. Coach T, sorry before that. Go ahead. Go hold ahead. on. Hold a note before we expand on on the um the fire service. Um, obviously, um, going to you, Patrick. Now, um, you've got something innate born within. No question there. And obviously, you've discovered and you've developed it, and it's fermented, and you. you Whatever it is, you 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 you've used that energy and in an art form. But the most interesting thing before we leap from the police to the fire service, number one, it's only a couple of questions. Why did you join the police? Why did you leave? And the most interesting, you've left uh, an authoritative um, organization. Why did you join the fire brigade? If you can answer those couple of questions for us, that's, then that's we can interesting. Get... That's yeah? that's a good question. Good question, farmer. I'm I'm curious to hear what um what Patrick says. That's, that's, that's a good question. No, absolutely. Uh, well, why did I join the police force? Well, at that time, when I left school, I was a good guy at school, no problems at all, got my qualifications and so on. But I also wanted something exciting that I felt could make a difference. At that time, Enrico, you remember, for young black boys, man, it was hard. It was tough. You know, it was getting stopped all the time for various things. I had my experiences of that. And I said to myself, do you know what? The only way I can really do something here is if I have the same, if you like, almost powers as them. Now, my dad, as I said, who was a police officer, not in this country, he encouraged me to do it as well. He said, yeah, because I, I think that'd be really, really, really good. So that was what made me sort of apply for it. Now, also, prior to that job, I wasn't working for a couple of couple of months. So my dad said, look, well, rather than you just sit around while you're waiting to, to, to start the, the police force, get a job. So I went to the local job center and the only job they had was some job in some factory where you pour some plastic things in, it melts, makes uh, knives, forks, cups, you know, from McDonald's type thing. You pull them apart, put them in a box and seal it. That was the job. And I thought, my God, I looked <laughs> around me and thought, these guys are here, man for the rest of their life doing this shit. I don't want to be doing that. Not at all. But I tell people to this day, the best job I ever had was that job, was mm -hmm. that job, because it made me appreciate what I went on to become. Are you with me? So yeah. That was that. Right. So whilst in the, in the police force now, yeah, it was testing. You know, at that time I was young guy, I was 18, 19, you know, wasn't bad looking then, um, but you, <laughs> you 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 found though that I was a novelty. So in particular with women, when I was mm. especially when I was wearing that uniform, 
uh, man, the attention I got was incredible. Yeah, I was young at the time. And of course, you know, you could succumb to some of that. Did I? Mm. Yes, I did. Of course I did. But that was then leading to my downfall because that was the thing. You know, they didn't like the fact I got so much attention. Mm. And unfortunately, tried to um, set me up for various things that I did not do. And I was it was proven that I did not do. I remember, forget once, there was um, an internal investigation unit called CIB2 who investigated me. And they even said to me, they had the brashness to say to me, yeah, we know you didn't do this shit, but, you know, we don't like your suit in this job. So wow. we'll, get for some, we'll get you for something else. I'll never forget it. All right. I'll never forget it as long as I live. All right. And that was what I had to deal with. Um, so it got to the point now where it was now getting really bad for me. I didn't like, like going to work. I didn't trust anybody. I had to be on my P's and Q's all the time, looking over my shoulder all the time. This was not, I'm 22 by this time, and this is not the way in which I'm going to live. Also, you know, working all the time. You know, obviously when I first started, you know, they gave me the worst duties. I'd be on walking duties all the time and this and that and all the others in the car and and so Mm. on and so forth. And I'm thinking, come on, what's this all about? Anyway, that went on. So it got to the point where uh, it was just now not going to be a good environment to stay in that job. So I left. All right, I left. I'll never forget one particular time before I left. I was driving. That's another thing as well. I always got my cars, and I had a nice car. A nice car. I think I had an RS Turbo at the time or something like that. Um, so, of course, those, those, ta- those cars – at that time, hey, they were a hot hatch, you know, mm-hmm. but this black but the but the black guy had it. Yeah, you know, who shouldn't have it. Anyway, I was stopped once. I'll never forget this. Admittedly, yeah, I was doing well over the speed limit. But when they stopped me, it, it was um a big setup uh, where they had obviously the speed gun the Truvalo um speed ca- speed camera. And I got uh, pulled wait, over with so, sorry, Patrick, say that again. You said Truvalo. Trivolo? A trivolo, yeah, which is a speed gun. You say yeah. tubolo or trivolo? Trivolo, 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 trivolocity. Yeah, yeah. Trivolo. So, oh, okay, trivolo, trivolocity. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right. So that was a speed gun. So they pulled me over along with other people and so on and so forth. Anyway, um, so I'm just going through things properly. Yes, yes. But obviously, I knew the ticket. I knew what was going to come down halfway down, and then they, you know, the words were, "Yes, you will be reported for the question to be prosecuted for the offence of." And I said it, and they looked at me strangely, like, how did you know that? See, 35 years, I can still tell you that. Right? How did you know that? So he goes, right, what's your occupation? I said, police officer. He said, pardon? Police officer. He goes, where's your warrant card? I had my warrant card in my back pocket. I took out my warrant card and showed him, Metropolitan Police Officer. And what he said to me, well, you can fucking definitely go in the book then. All right. Oh, right. right. like that, yeah? Like, like that. that. Like that, my brother. All right. Okay, and, from, okay. and the rhyme was on the wall then. And this was just for a, a, a motoring offense. Anyway, uh, well, it, it wasn't just a motor. I was doing quite a bit over the speed limit, admittedly. Anyway, I had to go to court. Um, the magistrate did take leanings on me. And all they said to me was, Mr. Garner, we do not want to see you back in this court other than in your official capacity. And they gave me kindly three points and a fine. And I was very, very lucky. But the writing was on the wall from then, you know, as to 
mate. Mm. This is not going to be an easy job for you. All right, mm. not not at all. Um, so yes, yeah, so in 1988, uh, I left the police force. I didn't have a job to go to at all. Um, it was just getting too much for me, too much pressure, uh, which was sad. Um, you know, my dad, um, when I had a, there was a little accident, a car, a, a lorry had hit my car in Tooting. And I'll never forget this. Uh, we had to, had to go to Tooting police station. And of course they recognized me. And my father saw the way in which those people spoke to me. In my dad lost it. He goes, how can you be talking to my son like this? Because mm-hmm. he could see, you know, one of the guys that I went to to uh, was in training school with. He was he was part of the uh, the TSG was the Territorial Support Group or Tactical so, so Support. You, group. He was in the same squad as him. You both in the same squad. Yeah. Same squad. Can you believe this guy pulled me up? Right. And I, you know, his name is Mark Liley. I don't give a damn. I'll say his name. Um, and I said, you know what? It's funny. You was a prick then at Hendon. <laughs> you're a fucking even more of a prick now. You know what I mean? And, I, and, that, and that's, how, that's, how, that's how I dealt with him, you know, because at the end of the day, he just wanted to have the, the pleasure of opening my car and looking like if I'm a thug and all the rest. And yet, just months before, we were both wearing the same uniform. So these wow. are things that happened within the police force that eventually why I left um, and then joined the fire service. Rico, go on for your next question. Why did you join the fire service though? Why, right. what, what were you, you, you went into um, a quicksand, you got yourself out of it. So what made you reset your mind and go back in, in, in a uniform, authoritarian uniform again, I, I know it's the unknown, but why? I, I'm a bit puzzled. I'm curious. Excellent question. Excellent question. Right. Mm. One of the things that obviously appealed to me about the police force was, um, you know, uh, everyone knows Patrick likes his cars. I was based over in West London, Hounslow. So we had the 316, the M4, the M3, all the quick roads. So we used to pick up all the chases and the blue lights and stuff like that. That really, I liked all that. Of course, I did a stint in the crime squad for a while where it was plain clothes. And that was another thing when they wanted to put me down in Brixton saying, you served, you joined to serve Queen and Country. And hang on a minute, I'm South London. I'm a, I'm a South Londoner. Why would you oh, want to do that? Oh, yeah. that's, that's put you in plain clothes. In like in your swimming Abs- pool, you got you're gonna piss in your swimming pool, huh? Absolutely, <laughs> Coach T. Absolutely. So there was those things. So anyway, so when I joined, what it was, Enrico, I don't forget. I thought myself, well, I was off for a bit after I after I left the police force. I was running, going doing a bit of running. I was running past Tooting Fire Station, just running past it. And I saw this fire station. I just stopped. I just don't know why. I just stopped and looked at it, and I thought, I never thought about that before. So I went back in, rung the doorbell, and um, I found out an Asian guy came. I think it was Randy Nair at the time. He came, and he came in, and we sat down, and he explained it all to me and so on and so forth. And then he said, look, call this guy. And this guy's name was Stan Bergen, who used to work um, in um, um, Equal Ops and trying to sort of promote like positive action of joint getting people from minorities to, uh, mm. to, to join the service. So mm-hmm. I made an arrangement with him and it all started from there. And at the time they weren't uh, recruiting, but they did something called a pre-entry course. Now this was for people that weren't sort of academically uh, up to the standard. And it was a course, a 10 week course designed to help them with their maths, English. Obviously I didn't need that. 
But the guy said, look, if you do that course, they have to give you an interview at the end. So yeah. I spent the 10 weeks helping everybody else sort of learn their maths, their English, and so on and so forth to help them, you know, because I didn't academically need that. Uh, and that's how I got in uh, into the uh, the fire service, um, Rico. It was just basically something similar to what I did with a bit of action, uh, with something that was going to be different every day. I didn't want the, the 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 mundane job of just going to an office, sitting down all the time. Although, in the end, when you go up into management, you, you ended up doing that anyway. <laughs> but, how did but, you find so when you did all that then, Patrick, so how did you find the transition? Did you did you actually sit there with your parents? Because let's bear in mind, we have to rewind a little bit. Um, while you were in the police force and you and your sister, your mum and dad had to go for a lot of traumatic things and break through the window, the local guys in oh. your or an extension of, say, South London, the Caribbean uh, the Caribbean community looked at me and you, just, you were disdained. You were the Judas, you were the enemy. So they had to go for many, many motions, a wave of emotions. Did you not sit there and think, Gonna, am I going to put my parents through that again? Or I'm Patrick Garner, I'm going to think, hey, you know what, I'm not going to allow it to beat me a second time. A what, bit of both, what, actually. what was the motivation to, to get you over? Because you fell off the horse, let's be honest, you left the police, like falling off the horse, and you got back on it again to finish the race, so to speak. Um, what made, what, what, what's that innate, what's that in you to do that again? I suppose it's um, within me, challenge on Rico. Um, at the end of the day, I'm not going to be with my parents forever. And also you've got to think about something of a longer career. The many job, look, many of my friends at the time were doing all different things, earning big bucks and so on and so forth, but it's longevity. And sometimes you have mm. to have a job that's going to be there for the long haul. Now the fire service again, had all those appeals for me, but it didn't have the, um, the addition of people didn't like the fire service. People didn't like the police force, but you tend to find people were more open armed to the fire service than they would be the, to the police. But it still had the action aspect to it, which yes. appealed to me, definitely mm. so. Um, but obviously when I joined the, um, the fire service, there was only a few black guys then as well that was in it at that time. So that in itself posed um, a challenge. But the difference for me was... The shock was for them was they were now dealing with a black ex-police officer. They had not they had never encountered that before because as far as they were concerned, oh, you know, they're helping us out. You know, <laughs> oh, we're the token, you know, oh, let's, let's look after this one because he hasn't done anything else in his life and so on and so forth. That wasn't my case at all. I used to find them guys actually quite childish running around playing he around the station. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Have I joined the job to be running around playing heat? What is that? So, it's the truth, Tone. So, so Pat, the... <laughs> yeah, so that, that tickled me still because um, I can relate to that. I'm, I'm in a, you know, I'm in a job already yes. at the moment, and and what you see, <laughs> some things don't change. But anyway, no. Pat, Pat, I'd like to know. Um, I just want to connect uh, that the the craft in your mm -hmm. life of, was it fire brigade? And if it was a fire brigade, what, at what point did you move to that discipline while you was in the fire brigade? Or right, okay, yeah. Now, 
being a, quite a big guy um, for a long time, you know, sort of six three. I was about twenty one stone, you know, relatively fit, but still carrying a little bit. And you know, as you as you get older as well, you're thinking to yourself, you know, look, I'm carrying a lot of weight already, but I want something that's still going to be relatively fit. So I was doing this like two, three times a week for many, 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 many years. Discipline, the weight came off, uh, but I was also learning a skill, learning a discipline. Uh, and that's something I actually this really is quite why you enjoyed. Were, this is the why, while you're in the, the London Fire Brigade, yeah? Absolutely, yes, while I was oh, in the okay. London Fire Brigade. Abso okay. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so for me, it was my little release. You know, what I used to find as well, uh, Coach T, that because of the intense training that we did with that, I mean, mate, sometimes, man, I couldn't even drive home. You know, oh, I couldn't move my legs. I couldn't move my arms. I couldn't. This stuff was brutal. This stuff was hardcore. Because the school I was at, it was the first one in the whole UK when this when this Crab Magal first sort of came, got is, known. Is the school still around? Can you can you plug it? Can it you is, anyone... but under under a different kind of guys, mate. That's all I'm going to say on that one. <laughs> okay, all right? fair enough. Under, 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 yeah, under a different thing. Yes. Um, okay. But yeah, so, you know, I find that the endorphins would, you know, obviously come out of your body. You, and I would just feel, yes, I went home, battered up and bruised and so on and so forth. But you repair, tear and repair, tear and repair. And I found that physically, I was in better shape. Mentally, I was in better shape. I was a confident person anyway, but also having that now as well gave me even more confidence. But as I said previously, it wasn't a confidence to go around and throw my weight around. Not at all. Quite the opposite, actually. If anyone who tells you who knows me, they'll know I'm actually quite an easygoing, simple guy. But it's just nice to know that if you need to step up, if all else fails, you've got something also in your arsenal as well. So that was the appeal for me. Mm. Mm. That's that's excellent. Um, I have I have a question here. If you um, based on all that you've been through, Patrick, everything that you've been through, the highs, the lows, the roller coaster of life, the 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 pleasures, the pains, the joys, the um, the the difficult situations when your back's against the wall, um, all of that, all of that within that pot, all of that within that cauldron. Um, if you could go back in time like i'm like literally 20 years back in time 20 years back in time what would you tell your younger self do it all again <laughs> <laughs> do it all again and do it even better <laughs> seriously bro i've not listen bro life is a journey and i have look in life we have choices <laughs> All right, we have yes. choices. True. Now, I'm, True. I made some good choices. I made a couple of bad ones too. Um, but I would do it all again. Tony, one of the things that that's really inspires me is the drive for success, all right? Uh, in the fire service, as people know, I was the first black um, driver trainer, firstly, the first black examiner, the first black... I um, didn't know that. Did Pat, you know that? I didn't know that, Pat. Oh my did God, you, bro! I didn't know did that. Know, didn't you know that? Yeah, I was. I'm, I'm the first. And actually, fact, I still think okay. I'm the only one ever in the in this country that did that role. Right? Wow. I was told this many, many years ago. Yes. Mr. Efad. Okay. Yes, that was me. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> ALP, TL, HP, trainer, examiner did did the whole lot. But that was the thing because people didn't expect it. 
They didn't expect mm. you to be able to do something like that. I'll never forget one mm. time when I became an LGV examiner, right? So that involves taking people out for their LGV test to get their CAT-C license. And we, were, we were actually testing out of a place, uh, Thurrock. Now, it was a new venue. I turned up. Check this out. You'll love this story. I turned up for the first day because I was going to be testing out of this new center. And the boss at the time who was, you know, who was waiting there for me, I've knocked on the door. A guy comes out. He says, excuse me, sit down there. When, <laughs> when we want you, we will call you for your test. Your test is not at this time. Now, mm. the guy was with me at the time, looked up, and you could see him shaking his head. And he's like, oh, 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 Bob, um, I think you got it wrong. He said, did you hear me? I didn't say a word. And he... Steve came over and said, um, no, you really got this wrong, mate. Um, Pat's um, a driving examiner. And the, all of them looked up at me. All these white boys looked up at me shocked. <laughs> he goes, you're an examiner. <laughs> well, yes, I am actually. Asking me, how long have you been doing it? Is that really, does that really matter? But if it really suits you, I think about seven years at the time. I wasn't, I wasn't new at it, Tony, at the time, right? Do you know them guys, right? When I was testing out there, I see mm. more at the window looking at me because they'd never seen that before. Because mm. a black man was not supposed to be able to do that. These are things, my friend, that I've been through, mate, that you're up against it. But you know what? It doesn't upset me because it upset them more seeing me do a good job that they didn't think I was capable of. I wasn't asking for their approval, not at all. I don't give a fuck. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, okay. bro. There ain't no feel here. Ain't no okay. feel here. It's I wasn't sure. Sincere I wasn't honesty. Sure. But no, honestly, I don't give a damn about what these people think. I know yeah. my capabilities, and that's exactly what I did. And yeah, so that was a, that's another thing where they automatically stereotype you without realizing who you are and what you do. But is again, it, I did it's feel it's feel for me. Say, Pat, um, listening to this um, actual pod, it's quite intriguing. Really. I, I, I'm not. I'm probably wrong. I think I've counted about five or six firsts. The first black um, far, um, metropolitan police woman sister. Yes, that's correct. All right, the first EFAD trainer. First is yes, black. Yeah, black. And there's a lot of firsts in your lives. Mm -hmm. um, rolling forward, you've moved out of London now. You reside um, somewhere in Kent. And um, you're, you can stay at Rico because okay. you're supposed to come and visit me anyway. <laughs> I live in Margate in right. Kent. Yes. Right, but you just don't live in any, any part of Margate. You live, so, you live uh... in a quite. Um, <laughs> exclusive part of Margate and you mm. appear as I'm, I'm from Reed Wright you're the first of your kind there and you're I believe you're are you sort of like next to judges and retired judges lawyers and doctors and yeah. so Indeed. is in your mind oh sorry yes one of the first as well to do create this McGrath McGrath school is I mean I, I probably missed a couple of other things but it appears you've got this drive to break barriers yes absolutely so I why, agree that, that's, quite, that's quite evident, and, and the way you articulate yourself quite well, and you, you broadcast yourself really, really well. So I'm going to go back and ask this question. How do you maintain this motivation? Right. How do I make – I set myself goals all the time, Rico. It's like um, one of the things that you know that I do, which we haven't mentioned yet, because I've been trying to get you to join me. Well, what am I talking about, Rico? What am I talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Was he talking about farmer Rico? Well, what's basically, he talking about? 
Pat, Pat's just it's, in, in, in Ice Age, he's just two two Ice Ages ahead of me at the moment. <laughs> Pat's a, is, is an avid traveler. Um, 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 <sighs> traveler and, um, and, and I, I have it in spirit, no question whatsoever. But Pat has it in means, right? So we're basically talking about um, Great Britain and Little Island of Puerto Rico. I'm not quite there yet to have the, the, the means to travel. Basically, uh, Pat's into a camping um, uh, traveling site, not 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 the traveling site, traveling um, as in outdoor camping. I'm a caravanner to coach T. I'm a caravanner. Oh, caravan. I'm trying. Okay, to... there you go. Yeah, because you I'll were going try. around the houses. I was a little farmer. Bit. You was. I was thinking like black leprechauns. We talk about leprechauns. You're traveling <laughs> around. You're talking about. You are I was jumping there because obviously Patrick, <laughs> by the name of Patrick. Yeah, I, 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 to be honest, I, I'm of that ilk. Um, but I am. But as Pat knows, I've, I, I'm a man like this. I need to have my base really solid. And I've nearly got my pieces together. Next, Excellent. oh yeah, I'll pa- I'll be joining you. Not the same um, capacity as you. Mine's be very very small, but it'll do me. But yeah, okay, that's um, a, that's a, sort of like Winnebago talk. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, it's, no, a pro- no. yeah. yeah it's a pro- proper caravan, proper caravan, Coach it's T. Proper Coach T. It, it, you you don't need to live in your house. You can live in this caravan. It's beautiful. Mm. It's funny. That's what I'm talking to you to from right now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's where I am right now. On my drive, I'm talking to you in the caravan, mate. So let's go. Cushy, oh, comfortable. Going back Indeed. to what I was saying, you know, you, you, you do, I don't say it's extraordinary, to be honest, viewers. I want young people out here to listen to this pod and take something away from it. These aren't extraordinary things Pat's done now. These are things which is our God-given right to do. We're Absolutely. Allowed, we're allowed to apply for the police. Absolutely, we're allowed to we're allowed to apply for the fire brigade. Absolutely, and, and we're allowed to work because we are a subject of this nation. Uh, but Pat, because we live in a, on back then, especially the seventies and eighties, it wasn't the norm. So Pat, you really break down barriers, and uh, I know you say you give yourself goals, because sometimes when you it's like running a marathon, sometimes you feel tired. But what keeps what motivates? Pat to get up every morning, three six five to get you over that line. What else? Do you know what it, anything else that motivates you? Do you know what it is, Rico? It's a good. It's a really, really, really good question. Actually, um, I've just always been like it to, to dig down deeper. You know, endurance. It's like when I do the, you know, I do training. I do weights. I see a lot of these guys in the gym, and they can bang out real heavy weights, but they haven't got endurance. They can do two, three, maybe four reps. I'm doing a hundred. And these guys are looking at me crazy. Like, how is that guy at his age doing that? It's mindset, Rico. Mindset. Don't mm-hmm. let someone tell you you cannot when you can. Even if you don't succeed, get up and try again. Look, I also think about my children as well. I want to leave a legacy for my children. You know, I um, sort of got let down to a certain degree with my parents. I'm going through an issue at the moment trying to do probate after my mum passed away and my dad mm-hmm. and so on. It's, it's hard. So I want to make sure that my children don't go through that. But I also want to be a good example to them to say, look, you know, when you've got these challenges that you're going to be facing, people are trying their best to bring you down. If you let them do that, you're not going to get back up again because these people make sure you stay down. You've got to learn to fight, but you've got to be able to fight differently. 
not just, I mean, you know, Coach T sort of um, really alluded to it earlier on. It's not always a physical fight. It's a mental fight. It's an emotional fight. It's a spiritual fight. And I find for me, Rico, those things just fuel me because I just want to achieve. Like when I went into the caravanning, you know, you get some people look at you strangely, but guess what? When I turn up, mate, I've got the best caravan and the best car. That's cool. <laughs> you know? so, that's it. That's it. That's like you it. said, because it does dishevel people. It really oh, does. I had one. I never forget once, Coach T. I had one woman next to me, some <laughs> some five hundred pound thing, looking at me like if I'm, and I'm thinking, I'm looking at old rickety thing, thinking, do you really think that I'm going to leave what I've got here to come and steal something from you? You stupid bitch. Honestly, I, <laughs> I, I shouldn't say that. Sorry, I'm so sorry. sorry. No, you're being real. No, you're being real because because some sometimes people's people's stereotype is the whole fact of that could make life a little bit more people's stereotype affects how they interact with others i got kids like you got kids and i know that other people's stereotype will affect how they yeah. behave and interact with my children whether that's good or bad or negative Absolutely. I should say. So, Absolutely. so you got to deal with that you know Absolutely. I mean, you talk about school and children. I mean, one of the things I'm doing up here, I'm, uh, I'm a parent governor at the local primary school that um, my my son goes to. Now, my son's had a lot of issues there. But once again, going back to the beginning of this conversation, when I said about being on the inside, mm-hmm. I am now on the inside. I'm on that governing body. And I'm a, right. pain, I'm a pain in their backside. I know they want me to step down because I challenge them, right? You know, I said the other day about this uh, adultification bias. I said to the headmistress, do you know what that means? <laughs> she goes, no. I says, I suggest you go and research it then because we have a meeting next week. All right. Wow. That's how I spoke to the headmistress, mate. Right? Because, you know, it's been on the news recently. Black kids are treated like if they're adults and treated when given harsher consequences. And that's how my son feels at the moment, what he's going through. But mm. again... If you're not in it, you don't know about it. So you have to put yourself in these things to be able to do something. We can all stand down the outside shouting and screaming, oh, that's, not, that's not right. That shouldn't be doing that. This mm. is how. But you can't affect any change from there. No, You've got no. To be on there's, the inside. There's, there's no efficiency with that. That's no, the, not the, the title of this episode is Extreme Efficiency, and there ain't no efficiency with that. A, a cheerleader's efficiency is, is limited, but the players, the players in the game is different. Absolutely. I you know, Tony. Um, Coach T, um, a part, I'd like you to say that again. I want the viewers to digest what you just said about if you're going to have anything in life, you know, we can all shout from the outside at a circus, but actually, to do the act itself, it takes um, effort. Yeah. discipline and absolutely so real i think that's a real 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 salient point you're making there and i hope um people the viewers are so younger generation are taking out any generation but especially the young generation who haven't yet faced challenges like we have especially yourself pat um i thought we can take note of this because i think it's a really as coach T said this is a gem so um i think it's very very inspiring what you put put out there pat Thank you very much, Rico. You know, as I said to you, brother, you know, look, we all have fear. I'm not saying I don't have a certain amount of fear. I think it's good to have fear because sometimes you can actually really work off that. 
You know, you have to have a certain, absolutely coach T, you know, you've got to have a certain, I'm sure when you do your boxing, you look at a guy thinking, is this, I remember Mike Tyson said, you know, I look at this guy with his piercing menacing look and I, I dreamt of him beating me, you know, but when I get into the ring, the closer I get, the more confident, the closer I get, but when I'm in the ring, oh my God, he said that I relate to that completely, completely, because you know what, when these people are looking at you. They want you to feel inferior. I don't listen. I don't feel inferior to you. Quite the opposite, actually. I look at you sometimes. I think to myself, not I'm looking down at you. But if you want to go there, we go there. You know, I have issues mm-hmm. here where I live with you know a certain neighbour and so on and so forth. But all it is there is that he just didn't expect this black man to come along and do better than what he's done. Tough. Get on with it. Live with it. All right. There you Tough. go. You, Get you, on you with could, it. He could even you can even take the other side of it and be inspired by it. What's but wrong with being be... inspired by it? Like, I'll tell, <laughs> you what's wrong wrong I'll tell you what's wrong with that. You can't be inspired by a race that's inferior to you. Can you be inspired by that? That's his problem as far as I'm concerned. That's mm. how he thinks that's his But I'm not looking for his approval. And he's, a li- and he's limited himself. He's limited. What Enrico said, and he was trying to get me to say, is for the younger people... Mm. Don't be limited. Don't be limited. You know, Mm. if you want to go for something, go for it. You know, um, I went into the driving instruction. I made a very good business. I'm still doing it now. Um, I put in a lot of time. Yes, I get good results and so on and so forth. And I make Mm -hmm. it happen. I make it happen. You know, there are times when I don't want to go out. There are times when I, I don't feel like it today. But you know what? I think, hang on a minute, another day, another dollar. What can I do with that? Oh, I can do this for my son. I can do this for my wife. I can do this for my my daughter. I can do this for my home. And that drives me again. When you lose that hunger, like the boxers, they make their money. And after a while, you know, they've got everything they want now. So they haven't got the hunger anymore. Guess what? They start losing fights. You've always got to have that hunger, that will to want to succeed. I want them not be greedy, but just you want that success. That's what drives me, Rico. That's what drives me. Mm. I was gonna add, I was gonna add on. I think you're personally, my personal opinion, getting to know you, Pat. I think you're doing a little bit of disservice. The reason the viewers, I'm gonna tell you why. You're not only just doing that, remember, Pat, you're also getting a young 17, 18 year old kid leaving school, and you're giving them an opportunity to pass life skill. Yeah. A pass in the driving course. You're making them feel comfortable. You want them, don't you must probably hundreds of people gone through your school and each one of them is like a precious precious piece of rock and you you've rubbed it and and, and, and molded it into a little diamond because you want them and you've seen disappointments and you put you have to put your big big brown bare arms around yes them. don't true. worry you failed once you failed twice doesn't matter you're going to succeed and this is how these are the steps we're going to do so i'm uh, you need to lord yourself here well if you're not i'm going to lord you because you're not, not just not just um you're not just mm-hmm. not yeah. just Captain at young generation. I know you're saying about the dollar for yourself and family. That's wonderful. That's the that's the um, end result. But the journey you're, you're absolutely right, hundred percent, hundred percent. What you're doing for the general public. There's no color, people. There's no creed. There's no gender. Anybody comes in Pat's car, he wants you the best. You're a rough diamond. Absolutely, he's gonna mold you. Talk. Can you talk a little bit about that? What motivates you and what? What what skills you've developed and learned over the years to, to make you manifest and be a, a, an outstanding driving instructor? 
Okay. Um, yeah, driving was something that always appealed to me. Uh, so when I certainly joined the uh, the driver training team in London Fire Brigade, you know, I started off as a basic um, LGV instructor. But basically, I said to myself, right, I want to really progress um, as far as I could. And I became the most qualified uh, driver trainer in the London Fire Brigade. I had every single skill, every single one. At the time when we were doing the skid training and the skid trucks, I was one of only eight in the world that was actually qualified to do instructor skid training uh, at Weathersfield. Um, doing all of the aerial courses and all the blue light stuff. I just wanted to be good at it. So when it came into, um, and, and also when I joined that team, I was already an approved driving instructor and none of the others in that team were. They tried to put it down. Oh, we're better than that. We're more qualified than that. But in the end, I said, you're going to need this qualification. And sure enough, it came about. So guess <laughs> what? They had they asked me to train them to become now, this is a guy they were trying to talk down to. The irony. The irony. The, the irony of it. Absolutely, Coach T. So, yes. So that was what actually inspired me. Now, you talk about giving people a life skill. You're absolutely right. And one of the things I do do is, is passionate. I mean, even my next-door neighbours here in Margate, I've done now all three of their kids, the two sons and the daughter who passed. Oh, wow. her, her birthday is the same as mine, which was yesterday. And even she came around yesterday, a bunch of chocolates and a card and oh, St. Patrick to, you know, the best instructor. I couldn't have done it. She even told me she was six years of age. When I'm older, I want you to teach me. It happened. All right. It happened. So now oh, she's wow. 18 and she's passed her test. So you get a lot of, you know, great sense of achievement of helping someone. From that as well, you, 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 you gain friendships. You know, I've done like three generations before in a family, a granddad, a, a mother and a daughter. I've done all three. And you get a sense of achievement because as you think you are giving someone a life skill. Obviously, for them with me, they've got the added thing that, yes, he's trained blue light, he's done all that. So they're going to get even a little bit more than, say, the the average driving instructor that's out there. And, yeah, you feel a sense of achievement. Ultimately, as you said, Rico, at the end of it, the financial gain is there as well, of course. But that isn't just my drive. You know, you've got to have a passion for what you do. You've got to be good at what you do. There's no point just sitting there and just, you know, watching the time go by that doesn't that's not conducive to anybody you've got and people will get you they will find you out i've never ever been stuck for work my i am busy as hell all the time 24 7 i actually fact, i need to slow down um but I, I look at it as that's a mark of if you're doing a good job then work comes to you you don't need to look for it my next mm. question to that part how do you get the work-life balance to keep a well-being? Because obviously reading through this pod in the last 45 to 50 minutes, you're set a standard of excellence. I can't, I'm going to call you like a sensei, <laughs> if you don't mind me You can see, anyone listening to this pod, is you have a high standard. So how mm. do Patrick get the balance correct because you know as well as i pat if you drive a high performance vehicle it needs to rest it needs to be tweaked here and there so how does patrick Warner tweak himself to, to perform or sometimes defrag your mind and to, to get refreshed and to start again what is your balance how do you do that well it's a good question actually again uh, i find for me 
especially the I do do long hours now, and, I'm, and obviously I'm supposed to be retired from the fire service, but I'm working probably harder than I ever did then. Um, but what I do find is going to the gym every night. I go to the gym every single night. All right, as soon as I finish, if I might finish at eight o'clock in the evening, I'll go to the gym. Got another lovely community in that gym. We just get on like a household. And also, it sounds bad, but I network there too because I train so many of the guys now in the gym. Um, so it's great. And I find by doing that exercise, I de-stress. I find when I go home and I have a shower before I go to bed, I feel better. Yeah, I, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I think, and it, it allows my mind to plan my next day. Right, mm-hmm. tomorrow I've got this, I've got to sort that out. And I find I'm in a better place, you know, mentally as well as physically. Mm-hmm. Come the evening, I find the gym has really, really helped me. But having said that, you still got to have that core in you for that drive. I find with us, a lot of us are, don't have enough drive. We don't. We just accept what we're given. I'm never going to accept what I'm just given. How dare you? Right? How dare you? I'm not going to accept that. Right? I want to die trying. Right? If I don't achieve it, at least I tried. Don't give up before you try. You know, don't give up because society tells you you are only going to be here. You're only going to get this job. You can only achieve this. Don't let that stop you. Mm. Not at all. Yeah. That and and what you just said there that that typifies the whole point of of the warrior special. You know, don't. <laughs> don't don't, don't live up. on don't live on your knees. Don't give up. Why, why no. be comfortable on your knees? Stand up no. and achieve. Be be who you are meant to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Viewers, uh, young people out there, these goals are wonderful, but they have to be realistic. You mm. have to set realistic goals. You know, you don't jump ten foot. You jump a, a, a foot first, then you keep building. Yeah. When it's unrealistic, you you let yourself down. So if you can take anything out of this today, be realistic in your goals. And if you're not quite sure, talk to someone who's done it or someone's got understanding. That will help. Talk to other people. It's not, you can't just do it alone. Um, I don't know if, I, if you guys are in agreement with this, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And and, and I think that's the um, what you've just said there, Farmer. Um, be realistic with your goals. And if you're not too sure, talk to somebody that may have an idea of how to guide you or a signpost you or somebody that can may relate to them. Just look, if if you're not sure as a young person, as somebody aspiring to do something that's outside their comfort zone, look to somebody that may have done it before. For example, Patrick Garner, we've just been talking to you for over 60 minutes now with regards to all what you have done, how you've overcome how you've achieved, also some of the, the things that have not been so great in your life, but that that mm. adds to your character, that that's richness of your soul. And it's not always happy, happy joy. Life, Absolutely. you know, life will give you some lemons and it's a bit bitter, but, you know, lemons is good. They've got vitamin C in it. It's all and right. you know what? Coach T, an absolutely brilliant point that you just made there because too many times, it's like, man, it's funny, I was talking to one of my students today and I said, look, I've had a really good run of passes recently, but a lot of instructors only want to tell you about their passes. No, I'll tell you about the failures too because guess what? I don't want you to make that same error that that guy made. So what you just said there, absolutely right. You've got to embrace 
the negatives as well as the positives, because you can learn a lot from the negatives. Look, when I when I came here to Margate, you know, and I bought this house. Now I've done a major refurb on this house. Something I took off the whole top of the house, and people look at me like this black guy is crazy. Oh, they do, mate. They do. They do. This guy is absolutely crazy. And him next door in particular, he wanted me to fail. I know that. All right. Again, again, I just used that as fuel. That was fuel, mate. Fuel for me. And I've come out the other end. And now the results are there. I don't need to say anything. I really don't. But you know what? It just gave me so much more drive and impetus to do well because I knew that so many wanted me to fail. And sometimes that's what the, the young ones, as, as Rico was saying, are going to come up against. Now, Rico, what I will say is still set your goals high. Don't set your goals low. If you only set them low, that's where you're going to go. If you set them high, you're going to fly. Even if you don't achieve those high goals you set, at least you had goals. Too many of us are just existing, existing, because it's the norm. You know, your mm. friend who's not who's not working say, ah, it's all right, man. Look, man, just sign on. I sign on as well. So there's there's no, no shame with that. I'm not saying sometimes you, your situation might not dictate that you need to sign on. But just because he says it's acceptable to sign on, you're going to just stay signed on? No. Lift yourself up. Say, okay, this works for now, but that's not where I want to be in six months' time or a year's time. This is where I need to be. And set yourself goals and ambition and go for it. You have to go for it. Simple. Mm. And, and and based on that, um, you know, uh, we can talk on forever, but I want to leave it on what you've just said there. What you've just said there, Patrick, that I've, for me, that's the whole point on why I'm doing this Warrior Special for um, those words, that paragraph, what you just said there, you know, to set your goals high, you believe in yourself, fly, achieve, yes. achieve, because you can. It's going to be a little bit shitty. It's going to be a little bit mucky. You're going to have to go yes. through a little bit of mud. But trust me, there's going to be some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful rewarding moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I know you obviously need to wrap this up, but, you know, one of the things that we, we, we have done and, you know, we have organized like a little group, as you know about. And the whole purpose of that was for this, to talk, to mm -hmm. exchange knowledge, to empower people, to talk about each other's journey. This is the journey I had. Because you never know, my son might be thinking of going the journey that you went. But now you give me a little bit of a heads up and a bit of info so I can actually help my son to think, oh, yeah, I've got a friend who, who does that and so on and so on. This is what we need to do. And this is what we need to do as people. Because yes. for too long, we've been too disjointed. And it's important that we have that, that collective amongst ourselves in order to achieve. I agree. I agree 100%. And it's been an absolute pleasure and an honour to share the space with you Patrick. Thank you. Thank Absolutely you so much for having me. Pleasure. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and also um just um just allowing us, including anyone that presses play, including myself, including the farmer, as we talk and discuss, but allowing us to share a, a couple of windows into your life and your triumphs and some of your um not so great points, but also some of your highest points and, and all that you've achieved is um thank you very much 
to share that Thank with you us. Thank for having me. Thank you so much for having me. And all I can just say one last thing. If anything I have said today can encourage the young, the youth of tomorrow mm-hmm. to go forward, please just try no matter what you do, if you have a nurse, a doctor, a bus driver, it doesn't matter. Just be the best that you can be. And don't let anyone tell you you cannot be the best that you can be. Only you can be the best that you can be. Absolutely, 100%. I like, you know, I might even have to, I might even have to um, take that, that audio clip and, and put that on a repeat and play that to my son when he wakes up in the morning because sometimes he needs to be reminded. Yeah, it's Ooh. true. Just be the best that you can be. It's so easy to forget that with all of life's distractions. And farmer, farmer, Rico, brother. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you, you. For, for, for making this happen, man. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Hmm? I have, and I'm going to throw my little two pence in now. Imagine we're all in a forest. We've just heard a wonderful um, grizzly bear give a wonderful speech. Have uh, we got a caravan you... in that forest? We've got a caravan <laughs> in the forest. Yeah. <laughs> right, and, and what, 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 what Brother Pat Garner was alluding to and echoing is that when you go through the forest of life, what I'm basically, I'm trying to chipmunks out there. I want you to avoid being a naughty little fox, be a badger who digs at night and works hard. Then you elevate yourself, okay, into a big bound bear in the forest, okay? That's wisdom. And then once you get higher wisdom than that, when you get you get to grand wisdom, an owl, right, a grand barn owl, you can turn your head 270 degrees and see life in a better perspective. What mm-hmm. we're trying to say is this, this has been an inspiration. This has been inspiring. I've really enjoyed this episode to hear three existing, one existing, two ex-firefighters who've gone through the mill of life, but we've all come out and we're all trying to provide and encourage and echo these wonderful um, parables which Pat has given us today. Thank you very much, Pat Garner, for coming on. Thank you for having me, Rico. It's a, a real pleasure, my brother. Thank you. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, what can I say? This, this, is, um, this is a gem of a show, man. This is a beautiful gem of a show because it's not no Hollywood shit. This is real, real life. Real bespoke. talk. Real talk. Real yes. talk. Yes. Yes, exactly. Real talk. Real talk and life experiences. And, and I hope play that you've been brought into uh, a world of thought provoking inspiration. That's the whole point of what we do. And um, I've been your host, Coach T alongside the farmer and our special guest, Patrick Garner. This is episode 12. Remember, 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 guys, if you need a digital kick up your ass and you need a signpost or you need some form of fitness, summer's only around the corner, what are you going to do? You've got a wedding to go to, you got a school reunion to go to, you got a stag do, a hen do, or whatever. If you just want some well, check out www.secrettouchhealth.com co.uk that's www.secrettouchhealth.co be strong be true be you